two passages today. Neither of these are election uh, readings. They're passages that uh, I think will be made clear when, when I um, do my sermon. So Psalm 46. Psalm 46, I think you know, is the uh, inspiration and the psalm from which uh, Martin Luther based his great hymn, A Mighty Fortress, on. And uh, so I invite you to listen for this God's word. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with the, their surgings. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob, our fortress. So come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought upon the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Now we turn to Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 14 uh, and following. And uh, I'll speak somewhat to this passage in my sermon. So Ephesians 3, 14 and following. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that your Spirit open our hearts to give us deeper understanding of your great love for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Ephesians 3.16. Amazing how many passages start with 3.16. Ephesians 3.16 is a great passage. It talks about Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. And he prays that out of the riches of his glory, you can almost envision that, out of the riches of his glory, that you might be strengthened by his power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. Just envision that. Out of the riches of his glory, that you might be strengthened with his power through his Spirit in your inner being. And then he concludes by saying that you would be filled with the fullness of God. Filled with the fullness of God. So today is um, T 
Teacher Appreciation Sunday, and we really do want to sincerely appreciate and thank our public school teachers and all the teachers that uh, help raise our children and children we care about in our church. And uh, so I thought I kind of, in the theme of that, I, I would uh, give my kind of what I did on my spring retreat talk, you know, like summer vacation, like teachers used to make us do. Still do, I think. But what happened is the, the, the week after Easter, so the Monday after Easter, I was away for a week and I went on a retreat. And I, so I thought I'd report to you, kind of thinking about Ephesians out of the riches of his grace, out of his glory, that you might be strengthened by his power through his spirit and your inner being. And, but talk to you about what I did on my spring retreat. Does that sound really boring to you? So, so I'm going to Lowville, New York, to Beaver Camp. Now, I know some of you have been to Beaver Camp, and you know a little bit about the Adirondacks. And that's where I'm going to spend a week, uh, seven days, up by myself, in solitude and silence at Beaver Camp, in a little room that's all by myself. And so I'm driving into Lowville, and some of you have been there, and you know the road that comes into Lowville. It's the Monday after Easter, and it is snowing, and the fog is as thick as can be. And as I'm driving in this thick fog, um, I hadn't been up there for a while, and I'm not seeing anything, the fog is so thick, all of a sudden these wind turbines start popping up. Well, they're white, so you can't see them. Later on, I see if the fog clears up, there's like hundreds of them. But, but the fog was hiding, the fog was you know, shrouding these uh, wind turbines so that I couldn't see what was going on. And I thought to myself, wow, this'll preach. And I thought, no, 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 that's why you're going on a retreat to stop doing that, you know? I mean, the noise in my head was getting so loud. Can I, can I talk to teachers for a minute? Um, this'll preach, this'll preach. Uh, one of my least, very least favorite expressions that, that uh, I'm a teacher, you understand, but teachers love this, uh, and it's my, I hate this expression. It's, it's when they say, this is a teachable moment. Do you know that expression? It's usually you're in an argument and everything, all passions are raised, and, and somebody says, well, this is a teachable moment, and I feel like I'm going to kill you, you know? I mean, don't do that to me. But uh, so I'm thinking, this is a preachable moment, and because fog, fog hides things, fog shrouds things. You can't see things because of the fog. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of like sin. Sin is like fog. I mean, sin hides the glory, the radiance, the beauty of God, the, the brilliance of God's holiness is, is shrouded, is hid because of sin, and the fog does that, I can't see. And there's so many ways I can think about fog as sin. It, it hides the, the glory of God. And, and I'm thinking fog can be like noise, that interior noise that's going on in my head. It, you, you know that expression, um, you know, when you're talking yourself, it's a sign of insanity? No, 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 no. It's a sign of humanity. <laughs> Isn't it true that most of us have a, some kind of inner conversation going on in our head most of the time? The problem is, that's not bad, we all do that. The problem is when you start yelling. <laughs> and, and, and you just get this noise in your heart, in your head, and this continual arguing. This is what I should have said to that. And then you fill in all those blanks. And, and you know that is. And the problem it gets exacerbated because we live in such a noisy world. Every time you turn on the radio, people yelling at us, and every time you turn, even sports television, they're yelling and arguing, and, and there's so much 
noise and it just gets noisier and, and the noise just is like a fog that, that hides the beauty and the glory of God. So, so the, 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 the fog, the, the, fog the, the noise obscures the beauty of God. That's the first way I saw fog, which I'm driving through to get to my camp. The second way is that there's different intensities of fog. I mean, it's just mist. And, and there's, you know, deep fog, like you can't see. And, and that's like sin. There's different layers of sin. Now, I know we like to flatten everything out and say that sin is sin, which it's not. <laughs> I mean, for example, there's one thing to be angry at your neighbor. It's another thing to take a two-by-four and whack your neighbor in the head because they're creepy people. Am I right? Now, Jesus, I'm always working with the assumption that Jesus is a brilliant man. He's the savior of all the world. He's our Lord, creator, all that. He's also a very brilliant man. And so when he was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he was a teacher, and he said, if you have anger, you've already committed murder. I'm pretty sure Jesus understood the moral difference between anger and actually whacking your neighbor on the head. But the similarity is this. If your head, if your heart, gets filled with that noise of anger, then you're not hearing the stillness of God very well. You're not allowing the light of God to come in. You know what I'm saying? So fog obscures the beauty of God. Fog makes it hard to hear the beauty of God. Fog kind of makes it hard for us to see through. But, but the other thing that fog, how fog is like sin, is that for the fog to disappear, the light has to come down and melt it away. For fog to disappear, the sun... S-O-N, has to come from above and melt away that sin. And so in a very real way, Jesus came from above, entered the darkest fog of all, death, the tomb, and rose again to become the light of the world, to dissipate the fog, the darkness, the sin, and that light shines through us. So I'm thinking all these things, and I'm, I'm thinking, God, just be silent, because I'm going on a retreat to be still. And, and the purpose, what I want to do in my retreat, is I want to be silent, I want to be in solitude. Nobody with me. Nobody at the camp. Almost nobody. And so I want to be quiet and I want to be alone for one full week. And just to get quiet enough to hear the stillness of God. I want to get still enough to hear the silent voice of God. Now, um, I don't want to offend anybody. I probably will and I don't care. Um, but... One of the things I realized, well, I'm, I'm at camp and I'm reading a, lot of, a couple of spiritual books. One of them is Julian of Norwich. Now, what Julian does, is 14th century mystical writer, what Julian does is she has some uh, showings, she calls them. She hears the voice of God speaking. I'll come back to that. But she also has some visions, and 16 of them. And she spends the rest of her life reflecting back on those showings and then writes about it, and that's her book. It's still extant. You can read I read it. It's a great book. So I, I come back and I'm, I'm reflecting on my retreat and, and what it's like to be silent and in solitude for a whole week. And, and this is why I don't want to offend anybody, but uh, somebody comes up to me and they say, how was your vacation? And I'm confused. I think my vacation was July. I, I don't even remember December. Oh, you mean that week? Oh, it was good. <laughs> or they asked me, what did you learn? And that's when it occurs to me, I'm reflecting, 
that we have lost the language of retreat. That the only reason to go away is to vacation, which is important, or to learn something. In fact, in my contract, my call, it has the word study leave. Because why would anybody go away unless you're going to learn something, as important as that is. But to go away to be silent and still in the presence of God. Let me try to illustrate that. This wedding season is coming up. You know, we have all these weddings at church and such. And uh, so I sit down with the couple, we chat, you know, do that stuff. And always I ask the question, uh, not because it has anything, but because I'm curious. I say, well, where are you going on your honeymoon? I never ask the question, why are you going on a honeymoon? That would be silly, wouldn't it? Or, when they come back, I never say, well, what did you learn? (laughs) I mean, that would just be rude, and I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) There's a time when we need to just be silent and still. In fact, the old rule for church, in, in the time when we used to take this stuff seriously, is that you spend one hour alone in silence a day. One hour per day with God. That's not much. 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night, time's in the middle. One hour a day, one day per week. By the way, that's one of the commandments, remember? The Ten Commandments, we've thrown out about six or seven of them. We have three of them that are really relevant in modernity. But one of them is keep Sabbath holy. One hour per day, One day per week, one week per year. Now, to be honest, I wasn't doing the one day per week. I was going away to learn stuff, as important as that is. But to go away to be silent and still, to become still enough to hear the voice of God. So I went to my little camp. I called it my cell, because that's what monks called it. No television, no uh, radio, just stillness, silence in my little cell. I cooked my own meals. And uh, my day was very full. I need you to hear, it wasn't busy. Anymore when people tell me they're busy, I'm I'm assuming there's a spiritual problem going on. Busyness is not good. My day was full. And so what did I do? I kept the uh, prayer hours, which meant I started the day in in prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, night prayer, which meant my day was defined not by television, or not by food, but by prayer. Morning, noon, evening. Uh, I prayed, I meditated, I read scripture, I did prayer walks, uh, meditative walks, uh, in the woods around Beaver Camp, I, uh, I ran, because that's what I do, and, and I ate. So it was a kind of full day. I read Julian, among other things, but it was all with the intent of being closer and being more still in the presence of God. Now, Wednesday comes, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'm starting to realize I'm getting a bit lonely. And uh, so I make my breath prayer. Let me stop again. You know, we've lost the language of retreat. You don't learn anything. You just go away to be in the presence of the one that loves you most, like honeymoon. Um, That my breath prayer, a breath prayer is different from mantra. Mantra is important. But a breath prayer is an intentional conversation with God. So my breath prayer is, alone with thee. Alone with thee. Now, i got to show you. I'm walking. How many have been to beaver camp? Raise your hand. Okay, you know the, the woods across from where the uh, buildings are. I'm, I'm walking on this path, and, I, uh, and I'm doing my breath prayer, alone with thee, alone with 
and I'm walking like this. Now what I want you to notice is I have my hand on my cell phone, hoping that maybe somebody will call me or text me and I'll feel the vibration. What's the cell phone reception in the Adirondacks? Nothing. There is no possibility that I will get a text, email, or telephone call. None. Zero. But I started to realize then that I'm alone with God. There is nobody else. And then I started realizing that an important thing was happening that I wasn't really even anticipating, and that is detachment is happening. Now, detachment is an important spiritual word that, again, we've lost. Detachment is the time that you detach yourself from not only things that are unimportant, but you detach yourself from things that are important, like family, like work, so that you can be more attentionally attached to the one who is most important, the Lord. And so I'm walking, nobody's there, nobody can be there, and I'm praying my breath prayer, alone with thee, alone with thee. Well, it's Wednesday, and, um, and as I'm walking through the woods, I, I, and my cell phone's not working, I hear the voice of God. Now, should I stop on this one a little bit? Um, the voice of God does not happen like it did with Cecil B. DeMille's in Moses, where you have this huge man voice shouting. Uh-uh. That, I want to suggest that never happened. When I say I hear the voice of God, I hear, like Lady Julian, this nudge, this little urge, these words, but it's so clearly from God. And, and the word that I hear is, watch, be present, be open. Watch, be present, be open. Now, whatever it is that you think you hear God speaking to, you want to check it out. God's saying to you, pick up a two-by-four and go get your creepy neighbor. You want to check that out. <laughs> and so there's three things that are vitally important, three questions you absolutely need to ask if you're believing, even if it's something as you know, mundane as watch, be present, be open. One, is this something you hear Jesus say? Could you hear Jesus say this? Well, sure, Jesus in fact said that. What I say to you, I say to everybody, watch. So, yes. Second, can you hear the voice of a trusted, God-centered, Christ-centered, Bible-centered person? Can you hear that person say that to you? Sure. Watch, be still, or be present, be open. And third, can it do any harm? Well, no. So I started that, making that my breath prayer. Watch, be present, be open. I'm hungry. I'm running out of food and I'm lonely. So I go into Lowville. Raise your hand again if you've been to Lowville. Raise your hand if you have I just want to prove to people I'm not making this stuff up. You cannot make this stuff up. There's a diner called Lloyd's of Lowville. Raise your hand if you've been to Lloyd's of Lowville. What a great place. So I went to Lloyd's of Lowville and uh, I sit myself down at the little booth and, and the waitress comes over. Now I have my Kindle in front of me. I'm reading actually spiritual stuff. And the waitress comes over me, and, but she doesn't do her waitress thing. The waitress thing is, you know, she stands over you, and what do you want? <laughs> this waitress, she sits down at the other side of the booth, and she starts talking to me. And she says, what are you reading? Oh, I've never read. I love those Kindles. And she chats for five minutes. And then she's, well, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, I don't, you got all the answers. You tell me, you know. So uh, scallop potatoes and ham, I'll tell you. It was really good, like $6. 
So, and five minutes later, she, she leaves, and I go back, and then I hear that voice, God, saying, watch. And then I just, like, put things down, and I realized, I get it. I wanted a friend, and I had a five-minute friend. Those little tiny things, those little tiny things that remind you that God is active in your life, watch, be present. So I go back to my room, my little cell, and, uh, and I, I do my prayers, and, and in my prayers, I read Ephesians, I pray back Ephesians to God, and I hear the power of Ephesians, that, that the glory of God's radiance is filling the sky, that's how I hear it, and that you would be filled, it somehow would be in you, you would be filled with the might and the power of God through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, and he concludes this by saying that you would know the height and the width and the, width and the, and the height and the depth of the love of God, that you would be filled with the fullness of God. How can you be filled with the fullness of God that it occurs to me I'm, I'm getting silent. Every night before I go to bed, every night, I take an orange. I say my prayer and I take my orange. Now, I've been alone all day except for my five-minute friend there. And, um, and there's no television, there's no radio. Nobody. So I uh, take an orange before I go to bed, and I play this little game. I think you've probably played this little game. You try to peel the orange so that it's one continual peel, so that it doesn't break. So it takes a good 15 minutes, because you're doing it slowly and intentionally. And then I, I, one section at a time, I eat the little orange peel, or orange fruit. And, and I think this, this fruit is so sweet, and it's so delightful. And I, honest, honest, I hear a voice that says, don't compete. And I think, what? Don't compete. And then I reflect on that, like Lady Julian. I'm reading Lady Julian, so my head is filled with this stuff. And, and I think to myself, in our world, it's so noisy. And it's so fast and busy. And we're connected in such shallow ways. You know what I'm saying? My love is sweet, and delightful, and simple. Don't compete. At the end of the day, so many people come home from the noise and the excitement, and, the, and they say, did I have fun today? As if fun is some kind of measure for anything. Was my day exciting? Ask a different question. Did I experience the sweetness of God? Did I delight in the presence of our Lord? Did I taste the goodness of God? Be still and know that I am God. Be filled with the fullness of God. Don't compete in your own life, the life of the church. Be still. Be quiet. Taste the sweetness of God. Be filled fullness of God. Have you been still enough to hear the silence of God? Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that whether we're still or not, you are. And your loving and your embrace is strong. But we would pray that you would give us this gift of stillness. 
that we might be filled with the fullness of your love. We pray this in Jesus' name.